Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Schrader, and we're continuing our series on biblical manhood and womanhood. Today we come to part seven, and we're going to talk about heroic women in the Old Testament. And remember, once again, we need to make a distinction between prescription and description. These are describing women in the Old Testament. This doesn't mean that we need to idealize this. It means that we need to see what God's role is for women in Scripture. So the first group of women I want to talk about are um, Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Tirzah. Do you remember those women? <laughs> those are the daughters of Zelophad. Zelophehad. A little bit hard to say. Zelophehad. Now, the, this story is from Numbers chapter 27, and it's when Moses is, is describing the inheritance of all the different tribes, and the inheritance is attached to the male leader of every single tribe. Well, the problem is that Zelophehad had died. He had died in the wilderness. His daughters explain in Numbers 27, their father died in the wilderness. He was not one of those who was among Korah's followers. He didn't die in the rebellion. He had died in personally in his own sin, it said. And so they're asking if they can have an inheritance even though their father had died. So there's no male head of their household. There's no male head to attach that inheritance to. He's left only women. He has no male heirs in his home. There's no males alive. And so what that means is an entire family is going to be cut out of the inheritance. So they go to Moses and they say, well, what about us? And you know what God does? God affirms what they say. He says, they're right. They should have an inheritance also. Now, what's, what, what does this show us? Well, it shows us that there's a place for women to speak up to leadership, to ask for justice, to ask for mercy, to ask for fair practice. We, we see this even in the New Testament. We see that Jesus is willing to yield when the Syrophoenician woman asks him to heal her daughter. He listens. He is willing to yield. So there's a place for that. There's a place for women to speak up. It's so important in churches, a healthy church, healthy leadership is not going to be fearful of, of women asking questions or asking if practices are fair. And one of the things that God's really taught me is there's a difference between asking a question and questioning authority. You know, I think that a lot of men, when they're insecure in the authority that God has granted them, they'll see every single question as questioning their authority. And that's not the case. Men need a female perspective. And this is one of the things that we see when men listen to females. They, they broaden their perspective. They see the picture more fully. Men need to hear from women in their midst. And so we see that Moses was willing to hear from these women. Remember, Moses was a humble leader. And that God said what they said was true, what they said was good. And he created a policy in his governance where there is a way for the women to continue to be heirs so a family or a tribe in Israel wasn't cut off. Okay, the next example of a heroic woman in the Old Testament is probably the most famous one. It's the Proverbs 31 woman. And there's so many things that she's praised for. We see that this, this is a woman who's industrious. She's, it describes her as physically strong. She's administratively gifted. She's wise. It says that her husband is honored in the gates. She honors her husband. She promotes him. This, this woman is valued and she's held up as an example in Israel of the ideal woman. 
And so there's all sorts of attributes that she has that other women can emulate. Now, one of the things that happens is when we look at the Proverbs 31 woman, I've, I've had a lot of women tell me, you know, I don't like sermons on the Proverbs 31 woman. I don't like Proverbs 31 studies. They just overwhelm me and they make me feel like I don't measure up. The Proverbs 31 woman is not a, it's not the basic standard by which every woman should measure herself. If you're not Proverbs 31, then you haven't arrived. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that this is, this is sort of the ideal in every single category to strive after. Now, not every single woman is going to be gifted in every single one of those categories, and that's fine. But what it's telling us is that there's a broad spectrum of categories in which women can operate effectively within the home, and within the church, the family, and society, there's a place for women to be doing these things, to be exercising these gifts, to be utilizing these strengths. So don't look at the Proverbs 31 woman as an ideal that every woman has to um, embody, but instead look at it as a broad spectrum that God has designed in society over which women can function. So there's lots of different roles and places that women can function within society, and we see that broad spectrum in Proverbs 31. Here's what's important for women. Instead of reading Proverbs 31 and trying to emulate all of those attributes, instead look at 2 Peter. And look at the attributes he lists there. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue self-control, to self-control brotherly love. I'm not giving you all of them. But then he says, if these attributes are yours and are, and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in your walk with Christ. So what that tells us is that you need to have <clears throat> these spiritual attributes, and they need to be increasing for you. You need to be growing. So you need to be comparing yourself to yourself. You need to be ha having more virtue this year than you did last year, more faith this year than you did last year, more brotherly love this year than you did last year. And, and so don't fall into the comparison trap of comparing yourself with other ladies. Instead, you're comparing yourself with you. Are you growing? Are you progressing in godliness? That's the example. Now, something else that we see in the Old Testament, we see several examples of God using women in the Old Testament to help men, women helping men. Think about Ruth. Think about how she comes alongside Boaz, how she's a blessing to Boaz, and then Boaz acts as her kinsman redeemer. This is a glorious picture that's pointing forward to Christ, and they're in the lineage of Christ. Look at Abigail. Look at how she calms David down and keeps him from a rash decision and going and wiping out her whole household and her husband Nabal. And God honors her and exalts her and allows her to be a queen in Israel. Look at Esther. God raises her up. Why? Mordecai says it, for such a time as this. He uses her to save many people alive, uses her to rescue them. We also have examples of ungodly women influencing men for evil. Ungodly women influencing men for evil. So we see the example of Jezebel, and she's using the fact that she's desirable to Ahab to usurp his authority. Um, she, over and over again, gets him to give in to her desires to do what she wants, and she encourages him to unrighteous action, to murdering people who are righteous, to worshiping false gods. And Ahab is the worst king in Israel up to that point. Or we have Delilah. We have Delilah with Samson, where she's seducing him, and she's using her powers over him to get him to fail in his role as a judge in Israel. We see um, Michael. David's wife, where she 
also fails as his wife, where she taunts him and mocks him instead of honoring him. And for that, she's barren because of that. Um, we, we also have examples in the Old Testament of ungodly men who abuse women. And this is spoken against. This is wrong. We see, um, we see that Dinah is abused. And that this is this is wrong. This is spoken against when when Dinah is raped. We see Bathsheba. This isn't this is something that David's judged for that that he takes advantage of Bathsheba. We see Tamar. Do you remember Judah? What he says about Tamar? He says that she's more righteous than I am. When Judah withholds his sons from her, um, we see in the story of Lot that he offers his daughters to the men in Sodom. This is evil. This is this is wrong. We see the same thing at the end of Judges with a Levite's concubine when he offers her and she's killed. This is wrong. These are these are things that happen. And if you just read them and you're just reading it as a description, you're all, you're thinking, what in the world is going on? These are all evil things. And you can see it's evil because of what the prescriptive text says. It says that these things are wrong. These abuses are wrong. These things are sin. This is not how men are to treat women. We, we see throughout Scripture that God has designed men to be protectors, defenders, and providers for women. And when, may, when men abuse those roles, we see sin creeping into the society. We see God's judgment on that society. We, we see also throughout the Old Testament sort of that the theme of the pain in childbearing, but we see pain and purpose. Over and over again, we have women that are that are barren. We have Hannah, and we see the pain of Hannah in being barren, but then we see God's purpose in finally blessing her and giving her Samuel after she was barren. We see this with Sarah. We see this with Rebecca, where there's barrenness, and then God blesses, and he opens the womb. We even see it ultimately in the New Testament with Mary, where God gives her his son to be her son, but then we're also told in the prophecy in the temple that a sword is going to pierce her own soul. Now think think about this example. Think about all of the heroic women that open up the Exodus narrative. The entire narrative of Exodus, it begins with a story of woman after woman. What am I talking about? Well, the first two women are Shifra and Pua. Shifra and Pua, do you remember who they are? They're the Hebrew midwives, and they refuse to listen to Pharaoh when he says they need to kill the male children in Israel. They refuse to do that. It says God honors them. The next woman that's honored in the beginning of Exodus is Jochebed. Jochebed, do you know who that is? Jochebed is Moses' mother, and she recognizes in Moses something special. She refuses to obey Pharaoh. She rescues her son, sets him on the water. And then we have Miriam, Moses' sister, and she watches, and then she speaks up. But we see Pharaoh's daughter. So we see all of these women. Think about that. If, if these women, if the, the Hebrew midwives, Jochebed, Miriam, and Pharaoh's daughter, if they hadn't done what they had done, there's no Moses. We don't have a Moses. And who wrote Exodus, by the way? Oh, Moses did. And he made sure we understand that he wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for these courageous women. So we see throughout the narrative that there's a place for God's women in Scripture. And notice something about all of those women. All of their heroism surrounds what? Protecting and caring for children. Protecting and caring for children. 
we see that there's distinction in roles and there's equality in value throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. I hope you're enjoying our time looking at these examples of heroic women in the Old Testament. Thank you so much for listening to me today.